Hello, you loyal, all types of weather audience. You are not fair weather or lukewarm listeners. Your loyal listening is not seasonal or perennial. Whether rain or F-stars shine, you sit in your computer chair shrine. In dominant hand, your stein, filled with strong wine from a strong vine, ready to consume and dine on Chemohawk Sessions. I know a stein traditionally holds an ale or beer, but the rhyme would have been shot to shiz. You are a passionate, perceptive audience, and I am honored to concoct new material for your well-maintained and manicured eardrums with each passing topic. I just spoke about hydration and drinking wine. I have constantly, repeatedly, habitually reminded you to please drink booze on the clock. And I don't just mean Friday, 15 minutes before you clock out. I mean do gin Tuesdays, tequila Thursdays, something like that. Mix it up. But you deserve to drink, and there's no rule that says you have to wait until the wee hours of the night when you're already half asleep. But make sure, in addition to imbibing those spirits, that you also hydrate and you drink plenty of filtered water with a little bit of lemon juice, and you drink juices, cranberry, grapefruit juice. By the way, little trivia, when I was going through chemotherapy, I was told that along with a list of items that I was not to consume, like alcohol, for example, obviously, I also was not allowed to consume grapefruit juice or grapefruits. Apparently, there's something in the grapefruit enzyme that counteracts chemotherapy. Interesting. The reason I want you to drink so much while you work is because if you drink, you will fill your bladder, and then you will be forced to step away from the confines of the monitors and go stretch your legs, get a little blood flow, relieve yourself, and you know what? Do some laundry. Do some things that don't require a lot of time, but they force you to get up and move around. And in a virtual setting, it's expected. If anyone is listening to this podcast right now, these chemo-hawk sessions, and you remain stuck in your chair as though you've lost the will to walk, and you look at your monitors over and over with the constant clicking and the flicking and the minimizing. Stop it. Get up about every 15 minutes for anywhere from 3 minutes to 30 minutes. You can do it. If you were in the office, you would be spending that time BSing with colleagues, brown-nosing to superiors, or just looking out the window like you're trying to find your adopted parents that left you at someone else's doorstep. Just get up and move around. Good for you. Good for your company. Everyone's happy. We have touched on this quote once before, but it bears a duplication. Every normal man must be tempted at times to spit on his hands, hoist the black flag, and begin slitting throats. H. L. Mencken. That is extremely relevant and topical, and will serve as the lifeblood of this Chemohawk session short. I hope your week is passing without incident, dear audience, and that the suffocating space of your WC cell feels a little less constricting with each passing dose of chemohawk. If you do have a window in your white-collar cell, I'm sure that every time you start a new session of chemohawk, it's as if a yellow-breasted chickadee or red breast or some gorgeous, vibrant-colored bird steps on the stoop of your barred window and offers you a little bit of hope. Do not be fooled by a crisp, unstained white collar at your lot in life at your WCC, dear audience. For the treachery and bloodshed is as real as the limits of that hyperbolic metaphor will allow. Yes, I know that blood is not spraying ghost face style around your office, but I can tell you the sociopathic tendencies of a serial killer 
have almost a Venn diagram level of overlap with people that are CEOs or top execs at large conglomerates? This is not a lie and it is not an embellishment. It truly is factual that a lot of people in positions of power are sociopaths or they are devoid of various emotions that contain such human intrinsic qualities like compassion. This is a scary observation, but that bloodshed that I spoke of is very much true and that treachery is even more so. You have a hard time trusting people at your WCC and for good reason, because people are inherently interested in self-interest as the Thomas Hobbes social contract theory advised us years ago. You have to watch out for that. You have to be careful to not step in the treachery and try not to be a part of it. Welcome, audience, to Chemohawk Sessions short number six. Unstained white collar, bloodstained black flag. Allow me to introduce you to some of my quotes, composed by your very own falsetto prophet. An inclination for murderous rage, murderous passion, and murderous thoughts does not a murderer make, falsetto prophet. You often hear people talk about the glasses half empty, glasses half full conundrum. Here's my approach to that. Half empty, half full, either way. You leave partially quenched, just the same. Falsetto profit. That's interesting. You think about it. Well, let's say you're a glass half empty kind of person, but you still drink half a glass of water or whiskey, depending on where we are in the week, Tuesday, Thursday, as the aforementioned suggested. But if you see the glasses being half full, you still leave with the exact quantity of fluid in your belly. Does it really matter if the glass is half empty or half full? What if you didn't even order a drink? What if you ordered a chili cheeseburger? Sounds like they effed up your order, does it not? It's all about perspective, audience. I've said that before, and I will continue to bring that up. Better the blunt A-stars badger than the slinking, malingering fox. At least with a vocal a-hole, you know where you stand. Falsetto prophet. There was a guy at my former company. He was not right in the head. Definitely on the spectrum. Definitely had severe issues with keeping his emotions in check. This guy felt compelled to say every flipping thing that was on his mind. And he would say it loudly and proudly, much to the embarrassment, chagrin, and annoyance of managers and colleagues alike at meetings. But what I will say about this man is you knew where he stood. Is that not preferable than thinking someone is your ally? Like the whole Jon Snow thing in Game of Thrones a long time ago seasons back. This guy thought the other Knights of the Watch were his allies until that fateful moment where it became abundantly clear to him they were not. I say it's better to know where people stand, up front, loudly and proudly, than to be surprised with a real, insidious, nasty surprise at a later time. That's why I think everyone should fly a flag outside their house that lets everyone know just how they feel, politically, sociopolitically, geographically, how they feel culturally, how they feel about ageism, sexism, racism, as, as we previously spoke in a joke, culturalism, which has nothing to do with seeing different cultures as inferior. But I think everyone should raise a flag and let everyone know exactly where they stand on, say, 8 to 12 hot-button topics. That way, you know where they stand, so you can approach them and have an honest conversation from that moment forward. But to have it where you keep all that to yourself and you never say a word to anyone about anything, about how you're leaning or how you're feeling... That is the death of democracy, because if no one ever talks about anything, there can be no forward momentum, there can be no progress, there can be no airing of misconstrued thoughts, notions, and beliefs. I have told you before, the only way to be safe at your WCC and to truly be awarded on merit based solely 
Assign every virtual employee a number the day that they start with the company. Never know anything about them personally. Never know their sex. Never know their race. Never know their age. All you know is what their serial number is and their work product that you see through the computer screens. And every time you talk to them on the phone, use a voice box or a voice scrambler. But since that cannot happen, because it's too good of an idea, obviously, I say we go the other way, and you just hand someone a card that has like 12 hot button topic issues on it, and says, this is how I feel about these things. Can we still be friends? I think it's a great idea for people to air their beliefs very clearly and distinctly, so that they can't surprise you with that blade to the back in between your ribs. I say, figure out how people stand, and at least you know where you stand with them. Just one man's advice. I took my former well-earned but misplaced rage at my former WCC and transformed it to something lofty. These chemo-hawk sessions! That's exactly what I did with that. There are two terms, projection and transference. These are not good for mental F-Star's health. You project your anger or your mistreatment or your resentment onto others when they're just asking how your day is going. Transference is... You're at work, your boss tells you that you're no good and you're not, you're getting passed over for promotion. You have road rage on the way home, you get into a couple of fender benders, you come home, you kick the dog or the cat, they bite the spouse, now the spouse has rabies, turns into a foaming at the mouth werewolf, and then attacks you in your sleep later. That is a full circle cycle of the werewolf case of transference. Keep it at work. I just talking to this guy. His name's Steve. He was my customer service representative with this nightmare vehicular issue I've been dealing with, with the dealership and everything. But he was a beacon of light in a dark tunnel. And he said that every day on his way home, he calls his spouse and just vents about the day. So by the time he gets home, work is in the rear view and it's all about going forward. I think that's a great F-Stars idea. Now, this is problematic if you work virtually and your spouse is in the same God D-Star's room with you the whole time, but that's not a good idea either. You need to have a little separation. Remember that silence I spoke on earlier where you can only really learn about yourself if you have no distractions or you minimize your distractions? I say that should apply. So when you go on these walks during the day, go on these walks by yourself and think, internalize a little bit. I must admit here, again, I had no collegiate experience with the technical aspects of sound, visual mediums, I did not compose the Chemohawk Sessions cover art that you see every time you click play on a new episode. I hired a freelancer to construct it for me. I had to slowly, and at times begrudgingly, watch hours of autodidact videos on the tips and tricks of podcasting, how to brand yourself, and naturally, I had to learn the recording slash editing program backwards, sideways, and forwards. The ideas though, the ideas for the quotes I use, the film incorporations, personal testimonies, my flair for exciting, enticing stories. Woo! Every concept of the cover art, title, chapter titles, is all mine. From the cockles of my complexly layered brain. I do possess some skills, dear listeners, and some of those are writing, expressing myself just how I intend, and crafting clever anecdotes to convey my medley of points for you. I often said I could never be a singer, as you've heard me sing, and it is beyond pitiful, but... I could write the lyrics for a famous songwriter. Heck, you know what? Garth Brooks, I could write a song for him and it would it would win. It would win every competition. It would win every award. I can write and I'm trying to incorporate that writing every time we release a new session for you. I reveal all of this to tell you this is something I very much enjoy composing for you and selfishly for myself. It forces me to research various topics 
so that I may present the subject matter in an effortless, intelligent way. These sessions keep me honest and hold me accountable to myself. You know where I was not able to let my personality shine through? And where my intrinsic qualities and skills were cast aside, if not concealed completely? I'll tell you. My former WCC. I was a prisoner shackled to my section of the assembly line as we cranked out invisible, numerical, imponderable widgets. It was also a den of throat-slashing wolves and a nest of slimy serpents at times. It could be a sterile, cold, unfeeling laboratory of a setting at times too. This is an example of how it was throat-slashing wolves and slimy serpents. Our manager-manager-manager, old, old Tadpole, he was running a committee one time and I had some colleagues on that committee and it was explained to them and then relayed back to me that management... They want to get some people on the floor on board with various ideas and new agendas so that when it's presented at meetings, it gives the appearance of coming from these peers or these hoi polloi peons first to make it seem like they already have their buy-in and that it's a great idea. This is Machiavellian in its deception. I cannot believe that Tad even revealed that. It is a top-down hierarchy, but the managers want to maintain the illusion the new ideas and the new initiatives are coming from your own, so you will be less likely to revolt. Pretty shady dealings, dear audience. Here's a quote. Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Mark Twain. I throw that in to remind you to just be temperate in your rage. Know that your managers, your middle managers, and those duplicitous colleagues that you sometimes have the misfortune of sharing a cubicle with, they're just people, and their intentions may not necessarily be vindictive or vile. Maybe they're just trying to make ends meet, and maybe they just don't know how to do things any better. Do, along with all of your justifiable rage, try to temper some forgiveness, if, if you're able. Some petty annoyances. This may lead to a black flag being hoisted at your white-collar company. These are things that could be so easily quelled or curtailed by a good management. Having 10-minute daily meetings. This gal was just telling me about how at her company... They have 10-minute daily meetings every morning about what they did yesterday and what they're going to do today. 10 minutes every day. That's 50 minutes a week. Unless you're briefing the F-STARS president of the United States, you do not need to have anything every single day except oxygen and a nutrient-rich diet. And my former company, they would just say if you were having a problem with another colleague or their claim work was not up to snuff, they would just say, oh, give me that claim number. Let me look into it. Yeah, 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 right. They didn't want to air their issues. And then if they did find something, they would just come back to you and say, why don't you talk with this colleague who's acting inappropriately? I'm sorry, are you going to give me a $25,000 raise to do your job? That person isn't even on my team. I saw that this work was inadequate or improper. I brought it to you, Eminem, because it's your job to fix it. In fact, I don't want to hear about this ever again. But if you try to play that card, you're immediately labeled someone who is a poison pill or disgruntled. Here's an idea, and I got this from my boy C. Drew. If it's an important idea, why don't you have it more than just one time a year in a meeting? He works in a refinery, and he says they'll have safety meetings every day, but they're very brief, and they're just serving as reminders because they are dealing with a lot of expensive, dangerous equipment. If it's important, bring it up more than once a year, or like, why make us watch one workplace violence safety video in February, and now it's November? If it's important, and we're not just checking boxes... Why don't you revisit the material more frequently? And you don't have to have it be a 10-minute meeting either. It can be 90 seconds. But if it's important, remind us. Because especially with a career that has a high turnover, people are promoting, people are moving out of the department, new people are coming up. And if they didn't get the memo or they weren't present at the meeting, they have no F-Star's idea that it happened. If important, bring it up more frequently than never. Quote, cool. 
How poor are they that they have not patience? What wound did ever heal but by degrees? That's from William Shakespeare's Othello. Ah, Othello. He is resting comfortably to my left, paws completely straight out like Superman style. Maybe he's having a little kitty cat dream that he's flying. I guess I'll never know. We spoke about this being a, a den of wolves and a serpent nest. Have you ever had ideas stolen from you, dear audience? I was talking to my boy Lambro recently, and it's become clear that the virtual environment is even more cutthroat. It's harder for you to feel seen in a virtual environment. Therefore, your assumption, going back to Thomas Hobbes and everyone serving their own self-interest, and if you work for a WCC like I did, where people are operating out of fear, you feel like you're not being seen so that your accomplishments are out of sight, out of mind. You would take it upon yourself to be even more slimy and more sneaky and trying to take credit for things, right? Because it's basic survival. I say, as an idea, in this cutthroat, black flag, hoisting environment, if you're talking to people and you're trying to figure out if you can trust them, toss out a few lures of your less than supreme ideas. Tell them, hey, I was thinking about doing this thing at the next meeting. Actually, why don't you present on it? It's such and such. See if any scaly, slimy carp bite on that lure that you threw out. But always keep your best ideas to yourself to be revealed at the last possible moment so that you can take rightful credit. However, if you can trust the individual, then by all means, make it a group project. It's a good way to test the waters and see if they are chum or scum or what have you. But never give people your best ideas at work that you're in the process of delivering. There are enemies among you, audience. Identify them. Either ice them out entirely or pretend fealty to them. But either way, stand firmly arched on your toes and always watch your back. Here's a quote. There is nothing that sharpens a man's senses so acutely as to know that bitter and determined enemies are in pursuit of him night and day. Frederick Russell Burnham. One last quote. Understanding requires insight. Insight must be anchored. Brian Greene, The Fabric of the Cosmos. Take a second with that. You think you're right, but you don't know. So when thinking you're right, you make tangible, palpable decisions based on that, which affect other people and can affect your future. If you are operating on something that has an emotional component, anger, self-interest, what have you, just make sure that your justification for that behavior is sound, or else you could be in a hurt locker world of shiz. It could have been avoided, or it could have been postponed, or it could have been sidestepped completely. Personal nugget time. If you look at this like an Aesop's fable, the fable up front is, don't judge the content by the cover. Don't judge a domesticated dog by their growl, nor a bicolor cat by their caterwaul. Okay, but you can judge a workmate by the white laboratory pristine clean or stained white collar squalor of their workstation. Having F-stars, S-stars handwriting may make you a doctor, but having a disgusting workstation does not make you the workplace Adonis, Casanova, Lothario, or Siren, Provocatrix, Temptress. It simply makes you as lazy as unappetizing. Keep a clean workstation. I mentioned it before, and here we are coming around once more. All that to say, I am reminded of a once upon a time coworker. We'll call him Stevie Shuby. What a man. What a man. This guy was about five foot five, about 41 years old, working at Starbucks. He was an avid jogger. He took care of himself physically, which brings me to reveal that I believe he was taking steroids for you could see every vein in his arms and he would get rage. He would get that lava hot rage at Starbucks when there was virtually no provocation. 
One time he was making these Frappuccinos because it was our stupid happy hour from 3 to 5 where it was half-priced Frappuccinos in the summer. The line was out the door wrapped around the entire building complex three or four times deep. And he came from a relatively slow store. He hated making drinks. But because we were understaffed that day, old Stevie Shelby had to make drinks. And so there was a line of cups about 15 deep that needed to be made. He was getting so amped up. He was slamming things around. He was banging that door on the blender closed with ferocity. Finally, this kind gentleman with a slightly European accent walked over and very politely, almost in a whisper, asked, Is my caramel frappuccino ready? He looks down to his left at the line of cups that have yet to be filled. He looks back at the customer. He holds up his pointer finger. Sir, I'm one guy. I'm not Superman, okay? Spit from Stevie Shubby's mouth washed over that man's face. Accidentally, of course. But this man, he asked for the status on his drink. He didn't ask for the weather. He liked that. But this guy, he kicked the safe closed one time because he was $1 off in the till, so his numbers weren't adding up. I mean, he just went with these roid rages. It was totally unnecessary. Well, he wore his Superman S for Super Stevie Shubby that day because something crazy happened. We were at the corner of a, of a very popular intersection. A garbage truck was turning left from one road onto the other road, and it turned too hard on the turn and went a little bit too far. It leaned a little bit too much to the right, wound up going over the road into the ditch, and then falling on the right side of the garbage truck. So the passenger door was laying flush with the ditch right outside of this Starbucks. I shiz you not. The driver's inside. There's smoke coming up from the garbage truck. What does five foot five Super Stevie Shubby do? He just bolts out of there during the mid-morning rush. He races over, lunges over the shrub bushes, climbs up on the tire, pulls himself up, climbs up so that he's hovering over the driver's side, which is pointing toward the sky. He rips open the door. He reaches down and pulls out this garbage truck driver, slings him over his shoulder, hops back down onto the pavement. There's a thousand cars outside because it's mid-morning rush. He runs inside. The guy's got like a concussion. He's got blood on his forehead. But there's old Stevie running with this guy draped over him. Looks like he's carrying a dead body. And he just lays him in the lobby floor and they call the paramedics. Where the shiz did that come from? I didn't know that roid rages also extended to these magnificent feats of saviorism. Wow. Point being, he may have been difficult and he may have looked like a pit bull and he may have had roid rages, but he saved that garbage truck driver's life. I couldn't believe it was true, but true it was. Don't judge content by the cover, audience. Sometimes life can surprise you. The rage was real, as were the steroids. But so was the heroic proclivity bonded to that man's DNA. We are complex creatures, dear audience. Best to try to remember that there is some good wiggling around in there. Thank you for entertaining this Chemohawk session short, dear audience. Remember, the duration of the content has no bearing on the quality. I have touched on some of these concepts prior, yes, but refreshers are helpful. And as you would want to know what the Hamburglar looked like who was making appearances at your work site, Best to provide people with updated images of his mugshot and last known location information more than once a year. If it is important information, don't keep it to yourself and don't just tell us once and then rub it in our face and say, oh, we told you. Remember that email we sent out 11 months ago? Uh-uh. You've sent 60,000 emails since then. Give me an F-stars break. And remember, management is participating in all kinds of insidious little approaches to trying to get you to swallow some badly orchestrated ideas. Be mindful of that too, dear audience. Are these ideas and initiatives and implementations of programs coming from management or is it coming from your colleagues? It's best to know when it is a false flag and when it is the real F-Stars deal. While that 
Daily grinds can sometimes be damaging. Here we work to unwind it towards banishing. See what I mean when I talk about how I can rhyme? Man, I would give Marshall Mathers a run for his F-Star's money. Let these words wash over your senses and soothe your apoplectic tendencies, dear listeners. Tune in soon for another full syringe dose of the good stuff with these Chemohawk sessions. Falsetto out.